Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. Well, about seven or eight years ago, I mentioned in a sermon some things that I felt down the road we might need to do. One of those things that I mentioned was the possibility of changing the name of our church. And I just left it there. We didn't do anything about it. I just wanted to throw the idea out. And uh, just as way of introduction, about two, three years later, I did the same thing. And then last year, I did the same thing again. And over the past two months, I have three months, I have shared in link articles my rationale for possibility of changing our church name. Obviously, uh, I feel like we should, but I'm not God, far from it, and I'm not the CEO nor the dictator of this church. Our church decides those kind of things, and sometimes I've recommended things that you all went along with, and sometimes I've recommended things that you didn't go along with, and either way is just fine. It really is. It really is. Um. And I realized that by broaching this subject, which I'm going to do this morning, I am potentially opening up a can of worms. I don't like opening up cans of worms. Um, But there are times when uh, I feel so strongly about an issue that uh, I believe I need to address it with you and give my rationale and then... Uh, Hope that you would go home and do your own research and come to a conclusion based upon how the research leads you and the Holy Spirit leads you. Uh, I'm not one, believe it or not, who likes change. I personally do not like change, even though uh, in the uh, 14 and a half years we've been here, I know you've been through a lot of change. Uh, The relocation decision and uh, that change is yet to be Uh, Totally fulfilled, but it will be this year. Uh, Changes in uh, worship, changes in staff, a lot of different changes that you have been willing to make. Um, I I don't like change. In fact, as evidence of that, if you ever look at most of my sermons, they're very, very predictable. The structure of my sermons, very, very predictable. Not always, but most of the time. I don't like changing them. Uh, I'm old-timey in that way. But I also, and I also don't like change for the sake of change. I never have believed in that. But I believe there are times when changes need to be made for good reason. And I believe that there is a constant stream of mounting evidence that suggests that churches that follow Jesus Christ are better off without a denominational label in their names, even if they continue their affiliation with the denomination, which is certainly what I'm uh, proposing, that we change the name but not our affiliation. We will always be a Baptist church, always be a Southern Baptist church, I'm sure. Um, So I want to make that clear. Changing the name is not changing the affiliation. But I do believe that we should change the name of our church. And this morning I want to explain why I believe we need to change our name. 
First, I want to say that our main goal as a church is to reach as many people as we can for Jesus Christ and to help them grow in their relationship with Christ. That is our reason for existing. Now, there may be some other things that we would add to that as uh, sub-reasons for existing, but by and far, the primary reason for any Christian church to exist is to reach as many people as we can for Jesus Christ and then to grow them in their relationship with Christ. I believe that this follows the mandate that Jesus gave us in one of the last things he ever said. In fact, it's the very last thing in the Gospel of Matthew where he said in Matthew 28 verses 18 through 20, he said, Go into all the world and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe whatever I have commanded you. And in doing that, he has promised us that he would be with us all the way to the end of the world. So our main goal is to reach people for Christ. And in order to do that, I think that the Bible teaches us that we need to have a whatever-it-takes philosophy in order to reach our world. Now, when I say whatever it takes, I'm not talking about compromising the message of the gospel of Jesus. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about compromising essential doctrines that Baptists believe in. I'm not talking about that. But outside of our, our message, which is essential, our methodologies, almost all of them, if not all of them, uh, are open to change and open to flexibility. Whatever it takes. My main reason for recommending that we change our church name is so that we can position our church to reach more people for Christ. I believe that this is best embodied outside of the life and ministry of Jesus. It's best embodied in word by what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 23. Here's what the Apostle Paul said. He says, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. He says, to the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those who are under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law so as to win those not having the law. To the weak I became weak, to win the weak. And then he says this, I have become all things to all people that by all possible means I might save some. I'm going to read that again. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. That the Apostle Paul had a whatever-it-takes attitude toward reaching people should not surprise us. It did not mean that Paul was willing to compromise essentials to reach people, far from it. But it did mean that he was willing to change any method that he could if it meant reaching more people for Christ. That's our goal. Reaching more people for Christ and growing them in their relationship with Christ and anything that helps us to do that, that gives respect to the gospel and respects God, we should do it. 
any hindrance that we currently possess that hinders us or provides an obstacle to reaching people, if we can do away with that hindrance and still respect the gospel and respect the Savior we serve and worship, we should do that. Not to do it means that we have something more important on our plate than reaching people for Christ. Now, the next thing I want to say is this, and this is a major part of what I want to say. The term Baptist, and I'm a Baptist. I'm a lifelong Baptist. I've never been a part of any church that wasn't Baptist in its beliefs, Baptist in its policy, Baptist in its uh, democracy, in its governance. I'm a Baptist. That doesn't mean I agree with everything that Baptists do or believe or say. In fact, I don't. There's some things that our Baptist leaders in our state and our nation have done that just quite frankly make me angry, but I'm still a Baptist. And yet, in the general public, the term Baptist has become a turnoff to many people. Now, you don't have to look any further. Are y'all still with me here? Y'all with me? Not if you're with me. You don't have to look any further than studies that have been conducted by our own Southern Baptist Convention research arm. Lifeway Christian Resources, which used to be the Baptist Sunday School Board and the Baptist Bookstores, they joined together back in the 90s to become Lifeway Christian Resources. They, do, they have a research arm. And in that research arm, uh, we have found that we Baptists have actually, over the years, handicapped ourselves by some of the decisions we've made and some of the statements we've made and some of the positions that we have taken. Not every position we've taken has been bad. In fact, most of them, I would contend, have been pretty good. Uh, and we have some things we have a right, we, we ought to be bragging about. Our missionary program, the cooperative program to support uh, almost 8,000 missionaries is second to none. Our disaster relief program is second to none. But that's not what the people out in the general public hear about. They hear about our fights. They hear about our arguments. They hear about our boycotts. They hear about our being against different things, this and that and the other. And they hear about us bashing people who are not like us. That's what they hear. I'm not saying that's fair. I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying that's the way it is. Now, in 2011... Lifeway Christian Research did a survey of people, a random survey, which means it had no bias whatsoever. And this is our own Southern Baptist Convention doing this. And here's what they found out. They found out that 40% of Americans have an unfavorable view of Southern Baptists. Four out of ten. Now, watch this. That included the unchurched, but it was not totally unchurched people. That was people, a random survey of people in America that included both church-going people and unchurched people. If they had only surveyed the unchurched, that percentage would have been even higher. Not only that, but membership in our SBC churches, while the number of churches has increased... Overall membership in 2014 declined by 100,000 people in one single year. Worship attendance declined 3.1%. If you you take 3.1% of the total number that had been in attendance the year before, 3% may not seem like a lot. That's a lot of people. 
Baptisms in 2014, watch this folks, baptisms in 2014 decreased to the lowest reported number of baptisms on record since 1948. Do you hear what that says? That says from the number of baptisms that all Southern Baptist churches conducted last year in order to find the, the, the most recent closest recent year that we got that low, you'd have to go all the way back to 1948. This decrease in baptisms is the fifth dip in a row for our denomination. That's from the Christian Post, which is a a Christian uh, journal. Ed Stetzer, who is a researcher for our own Lifeway Christian Resources said this, quote, statistically, our light is dimming. We're losing our saltiness, he says. Another trend illustrating the decreased denominational loyalty and and the decreased perspective of people about Baptists is the number of of, uh, people who actually attend the annual Southern Baptist Convention. I don't know if you remember, but back in the 80s, they got as many as 25, 26, 27,000 people attending Southern Baptist Convention meetings. All right? Last year, last year, there were fewer than 6,000 people who attended the Southern Baptist Convention meeting. That, and it was in New Orleans. From 26,000 down to 6,000, and that number, 6,000, was lower than the annual average between 2000. In 2012, the annual average from 2000 to 2012 was 7,800 messengers. It's down to 6,000 messengers last year. I'm, I'm pointing out that the term Baptist is in some troubled waters. One demographic that Southern Baptists need to listen to more often is the demographic of the next generation. LifeWay reported in 2008 that the percentage of messengers, 18 to 39, attending the annual meeting declined steadily since 1980. Not one single year did it uptick, while the percentage of messengers 60 years and older, about my age or older, not quite 60, but I'm not far, has increased dramatically. Here's what Ed Stetzer says. Now, this is our own Ed Stetzer. If we are just a bunch of bitter old people, grumpy at the world, yelling at non-believers to get off our proverbial moral lawn, that does not show forth light and preserve as salt. In 2013, Tom Rayner, who is the president of Lifeway Christian Resources, was in New Orleans for the annual Southern Baptist Convention meeting. While he was there, he decided, he got there early, and he decided to go to restaurants and find just total strangers and ask them how they felt about Baptists. He was in a restaurant, and he, he asked one gentleman that uh, he met, and here's what the gentleman said. He says, I know Southern Baptists pretty well. This guy worked in a restaurant in New Orleans. Any of you ever been in a restaurant in New Orleans? They're pretty good. Not that that has anything to do with what I'm saying here. But they're pretty good. He says, I know Southern Baptists pretty well. I've been in the restaurant business in New Orleans when you guys have come to town. He says, you know, you Baptists are at your best when you're trying to do something for people. That's good, isn't it? He says, you were incredible helping us in New Orleans after Katrina. And that's true. Southern Baptist disaster relief was second to none. 
Red Cross got most of the credit, but Southern Baptists did most of the work. But you can be pretty obnoxious at convention time. He says, I told my fellow employees at the restaurant to get ready for small tips, lots of gospel tracts to go with the cheap tips, and plenty of people ordering desserts. I don't think that's how we want to be known. He asked a lady, she says, well, what do you, what do you think about, he says, what do you think about battle? She says, well, you fight a lot. You're against a lot of things. And Tom Rayner says that he asked her what positive things she knew about Southern Baptists. There was an uncomfortable bit of silence that ensued. And finally she responded with a bit of hesitation. She says, I really don't know. I guess I don't know much about you guys. What does that say? Highland Village First Baptist Church, pastor is Matt Chandler. You probably don't know that name, but he's one of the most popular pastors in America. He's written books. He's got blog posts. A lot of people follow him on Twitter, Matt Chandler. They changed their name. It was Highland Village First Baptist Church. They changed their name to Village Church. Now, here's what he says. He says, the name of the corporation has remained Highland Village First Baptist Church Incorporated. However, he says as a means of eliminating obstacles that prevent people from exploring the claims of Christ to a local church, Highland Village First Baptist Church now operates publicly under the name The Village Church. He says this in no way separates us from our Baptist heritage, but it enables us to be more effective for Jesus Christ. In that same article where I got that from, there were some people who posted comments. I'm just going to read the comments. I don't necessarily agree with the comments, but I just want to give you an idea of how a lot of people feel about the term Baptist. One one person said, I believe that uh, people view Baptists negatively because in some circles, Southern Baptist is a synonym for ignorant, obscurantist, sexist, right-wing, and a host of additional negative additives, adjectives. Another person said, our vision as a church is to make an extraordinary impact for Christ. A big part of that impact is reaching people for Jesus. In our contemporary culture, the term Baptist is increasingly a hindrance in reaching those who don't yet know Jesus and even those who do know him. We believe that replacing Baptist with some other term will reduce some of the barriers for people in our church And then there are many people out in the, uh, among the unchurched who, who group all of us, all of us Baptists together. In other words, those folks from Westboro Baptist who, who have been going all across the nation boycotting uh, soldiers who die and saying that, that uh, every soldier in America who dies is dying because of America's immorality and, and they try to boycott funerals, those, those, in my opinion, idiotic people. Guess what? People group, some people group us in with those. Aren't y'all like Westboro Baptist? No, we're not. No, we're not. No, we're not. Well, you got the same name. 40% of random Americans polled said that whether or, not a, whether or not a church was Baptist would negatively impact their visiting there. Four out of ten. Ed Stetzer said this, he says, It should give us pause when our denominational label causes some not to hear the gospel in our churches. 
Too often the stumbling block of the cross, which is a legitimate stumbling block, has been replaced with the stumbling block of the church, he said. Knowing a church is Southern Baptist, that it would make four out of ten Americans less likely to visit us and join us. And he said, some of those are unchurched. He says, we do not want to limit upwards of 40% of the people in our local community just because of a word in our name. Let me show you this. The majority of the largest churches in America and the fastest growing churches in America do not have a denominational label in their names. This is a list of the top ten largest churches in America. These are Christian churches. This comes from Outreach Magazine. They do an annual report on the largest churches in America. Uh, It's not an absolutely perfect report. Some churches, for instance, don't turn in their records, but among those who do, and there's a lot of them, uh, ours included, uh, this is the list. Now, what I want you to see is uh, you got the 10 largest churches in America. As you can see, North Point Ministries, which is Andy Stanley's church, is number one. And it goes all the way down the list. Now, what you don't see here, I have put in bold Second Baptist Church, Houston, Texas, which has just over 19,000 members. You see that? Raise your hand if you see that. Okay. Now, listen to this. Would you believe that of those 10 churches, at least five of them are Southern Baptist? And there may be more of them that are Southern Baptist. It was very difficult to tell by looking on the websites, but at least five of those 10, including Second Baptist Houston, are Southern Baptist, but they do not have the denominational label in their name. These are the, these are the largest churches in America. Now, if you go to the next slide, you have the top 10 fastest growing churches in America. This is different. The last slide was the top 10 largest churches. These are the top 10 fastest growing churches and, and by number and the number of people they added in 2014. New Spring Church in Anderson, South Carolina, the pastor is Perry Noble. They added 7,700 people to their church last year. Guess what? That is a Southern Baptist church. In fact, look at that. Gateway Church, Church of the Highlands, that's a Southern Baptist church. Elevation Church, Matthews, North Carolina, that's a Southern Baptist church. Uh, The Rock Church, Twelve Stone Church, that's not a Southern Baptist church, but they have Baptist beliefs. New Life Church, that's a Baptist church. Triumph Church, that's a Southern Baptist church. Eagle Brook Church, Saddleback Church in Lake Forest, California, that's Rick Warren's church. That's a Southern Baptist church. What I want you to get is this. Get this. The fastest growing churches in America, which includes some Southern Baptist churches, none of them, not one of them, has the denominational label in their name. Not one. Next slide. These are the largest churches in the Southern Baptist Convention. All of these are Southern Baptist churches. And this comes from Tom Rayner, the president of Lifeway Christian Research, which is Southern Baptist Convention. Here are the, 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 the largest Baptist churches in the nation. Second Baptist Church, Houston, Texas, is number one. It has Baptist in the name. Number two, three, four, no Baptist in the name. Five and six has it. Number six, Thomas Road, that's Jerry Falwell's church, the late Jerry Falwell. New Spring Church, potential Fort Lauderdale Church. Village Church, Elevation Church. And what I want you to see there is that of the top ten largest churches in the Southern Baptist Convention, seven of the ten, 
do not have the denominational label in their names. What is that saying to us? In fact, I haven't put the top 20 up there, but if I had given you the top 20, out of the top 20 largest Southern Baptist churches in America, only, uh, only Second Baptist, Prestonwood Baptist, and Thomas Road Baptist continue with the Baptist label in their name. Out of, out of the top 20, only three. You see what I'm saying? I'm not trying to cause trouble here. I'm just trying to lay out the facts. This is, this is what we're facing in our culture today. Of the top uh, Southern Baptist churches in Georgia, and I put 11 there because number 11 is Crossroads Church Noon, and this is only Georgia. This is the top uh, largest Baptist churches in Georgia, top 11. Voices of Faith Ministries in Stone Mountain, that's a Southern Baptist church. Elizabeth Baptist Church in Atlanta, which is uh, just up north of College Park, it does have Baptist in the name. That's an African-American church. It's also duly aligned with the National Baptist Association, which is a uh, 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 black Baptist. First Baptist Woodstock, First Baptist Atlanta, and number 10, Blackshire Baptist Church. So you have one, two, three, four of the top 11 largest Baptist churches in Georgia that use Baptist in the name. Seven of the 11 do not use the denominational label in the name. Are y'all with me? You hear what I'm saying? All right. All right. Now, in our area of the uh, fastest growing churches, you have Crossroads Church in Noonan, which we started just over 25 years ago. You have Southcrest Church in Noonan, which is one of the top fastest growing churches in America in the top 200 that's a Southern Baptist church. Southside Church in Peachtree City is a satellite of North Point Church, which is Andy Stanley. They are not in the Southern Baptist Convention, but they do follow Baptist beliefs. Andy Stanley grew up under his dad at First Baptist Atlanta. New Hope Church in Fayetteville. If you go by New Hope's facility right now, the sign says New Hope Church. It used to say New Hope Baptist Church. It says New Hope Church. Dogwood Church used to be Braylon Baptist Church until they moved to the Dogwood community of Peachtree City and they changed the name to Dogwood Church. Those are the ones in our area. Now, are there growing churches in our area that have their denominational names? Yes, there are. I'm not going to be dishonest with you. But these are the top five fastest growing churches in the South Fulton, Fayette County, uh, Coweta County area. They don't have the denominational name in their listing. Now, let me hurry on with this because I'm, I'm running out of time and I've I got to communicate this stuff to you. Please bear with me here. Forgive me for taking so long. Even agencies within the Southern Baptist Convention recognize that the term Baptist has, is a potential obstacle for people. Back in 1998, Baptist bookstores and the Southern Baptist uh, Sunday School Board combined and they changed the name to Lifeway Christian Resources. The North American Mission Board uh, started a, back in uh, the late 90s and the early 2000s, they started what they call a Nehemiah Project, training ministers to start church plants in areas of the country, areas of North America where there weren't a high concentration, of, there wasn't a high concentration of Baptist churches. They called it the Nehemiah Project. 
Listen to this. Now, this is the North American Mission Board, our own mission board. The Nehemiah Project, this is right from one of the websites, targets young churchgoers with churches that leave off the word Baptist. This is our own mission board doing this. They recognize it. In Pennsylvania, there was an article in uh, a Philadelphia newspaper about the Nehemiah Project, and, and here's what it said. Many new churches are outgrowths of the SBC's National Nehemiah Project, which is primarily aimed at younger adults. It goes on to say local Nehemiah organizers are setting up their first churches this autumn, none of which bear the name Baptist. The International Mission Board, which is over our International Missions Program, just hired David Platt to be their new president. David Platt, he wrote Radical, the book, if you've read that book. He's awesome. Guess where he was? He was in a Baptist church called the Church at Brook Hills in Birmingham, Alabama. And he's the one that they elected to be president. The Southern Baptist Convention has removed Baptists from their two major retreat centers. Glorietta Assembly in New Mexico and Ridgecrest in North Carolina are now just called Glorietta Assembly and Ridgecrest Assembly. The Southern Baptist Convention did that. The Southern Baptist Annuity Board changed its name about 15 years ago to Guidestone Financial Resources in order to attract a broader array of clients. If the Southern Baptist Convention is doing this, if the fastest churches in America and in Georgia and in our area are doing this, what does it say about the best way to grow? Let me say this. In the Bible... The names of people and places were sometimes changed to reflect what God was doing in their lives. When God changed a person's name, gave him a new name, it was usually to establish a new identity or a new direction. God changed Abram to Abraham, changed his wife's name as well in Genesis chapter 17. In Genesis 32, God changed Jacob's name, which meant supplanter, to Israel. Not only did he change that name, but notice uh, in Genesis 32... Uh, Jacob turned around and changed the name of the place where this experience happened. Genesis 32. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, his sons, crossed the fort of the Jabbok, and after he'd sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions, so Jacob was left alone. And there was a man, turns out the man was God, wrestled with him all, all day till daybreak. When the man saw that he wrestled with the man, the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. When the, then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. And Jacob said, what is your name? But he replied, God says, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. And watch this. So Jacob called the place Peniel, meaning it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. Why did God choose to change the names of some people? The Bible doesn't give us all the reasons. But perhaps it was to let them know that they were destined for a new mission in life. How can that not be true of our church? The new name was a way to let them in on the divine plan and to assure them of what God wanted to do. Let me move on to this next slide. Taking Baptist out of our name does not mean 
that we will no longer be a Baptist church, but it will communicate, if we decide to do it, that we are serious about reaching people in our communities. We will continue to hold and teach Baptist beliefs. We will continue to support our Baptist missionaries through the cooperative program. We will continue to support the mission work of our local Fairburn Baptist Association, of whom we are the largest contributor, even though there are far larger churches that give a fraction of what we give. We will continue to help Baptist churches across the nation through our mission trips. We will continue to be the same loving church family. We will continue to be a Baptist church in Palmetto, Georgia. Now, some people have said that to change our name when we are continuing to be a Baptist church is deceitful, that we're deceiving people. That's not a bad argument. Let me just concede that. That's not a bad argument because on the surface it looks like that we're deceiving people people. But I still have to disagree with that argument, and here's why. I believe that the Baptist churches that either do not have Baptists in their label or they've removed it from their names, they're not hiding anything to deceive anyone. Rather, what they're doing is communicating that they are Baptist churches that are willing to color outside the lines if coloring outside the lines will help them to better reach the lost world. In my opinion, what they're saying to us is, hey, we're not your typical against everything, bashing everybody, hardcore, legalistic Baptist church. We believe Baptists, we love Baptists, but we're really serious about getting to know you and listening to you and reaching you. That's what they're saying to me. Not too many years ago, we had a young mother who was attending our church with her children. She knew some other people. Actually, her children had been in our preschool, and they started coming to our church. And they came fairly regularly. They liked our church. Her husband would not come. And the reason is because at some point in the past, he was in a Baptist church. He was working in a Baptist church, uh, not on staff, but volunteering. And he, and I don't know the details, he was very deeply hurt by some things that happened in the church. And so he swore off going to church, and if he ever became open again to going to church, he'd already told his wife in no uncertain terms it would not be a Baptist one. But lo and behold, after she'd been coming here for, I don't know, six or eight months or so, I don't remember exactly how long it was, she finally convinced him to come to church with her and the kids. And he liked our church. He liked what he saw. He even came for a month or two more with her. Not every Sunday, but most of those weeks in a couple of months. But even though he liked our church and he loved our people and he thought our programs were good and our activities for his kids were great and he felt like we're a friendly church, they didn't keep coming to our church. They are attending a church on a regular basis right now. I don't know if they've joined the church, but for the last, I don't know, two or three years, they have been going very actively to another church in our area, in Coweta County. And guess what? It's a Baptist church. But it doesn't have Baptist in the label. And he told his wife he would not be a part of a Baptist church. Now, Does he think that this church they're going to is not Baptist? I don't know. I haven't interviewed him. But I will tell you this. Even though he loved our church, this is what he felt about it. Robert Lewis, in his book, The Church of Irresistible Influence, said this. If your church closed its doors today, would anyone but its own members notice? 
Would the community be saddened because such a great community transformation partner was gone? Or would they give it a second thought? I love this church. I love you people. If I were to leave this church today, I would spend the rest of my life bragging on this church because of the grace and mercy you've shown me and the support you've shown me and my family. When I go to a church, I ask one question, and I ask it almost every day, definitely every week that I'm part of that church. What do we need to do today to ensure that 20, 30, 40, maybe 50 years down the road, this church will still be in existence and still be thriving, not just on a respirator, but thriving? And whatever it is that is the answer to that question, if it gives respect to the gospel, that's what I try to do. That's what I try to lead you to do. That's the reason we're relocating. That's the reason we have two separate kinds of worship services. That's the reason that we're starting small groups. That's the reason that uh, uh, we do so many things we do. It's the reason I'm coming to you today. And it's the reason that I've gone over and some of you are wondering when you're going to get to go to Sunday school. Well, how much would that cost us? Change your name with the Secretary of State's office if you're up to date with all your fees and qualifications, which we are. I called them this past week. It cost you $20 to change your name. We would have to spend some money on stationery and the like, but we can continue and finish using what we've got, then order it like we normally would whenever we get out, and it wouldn't cost us anything more. Some of you, not all of you, but some of you came from churches, came to our church from churches, look at me here, that no longer exist. If you came here from First Baptist Church College Park, which 25 years ago had 21 members, you came here from a church that now no longer exists. College Park, First Baptist Church, is not in existence. East Point, First Baptist Church, not in existence. Red Oak First Baptist Church, still in existence, but it's a totally different church. Now here's my question. Why did those churches dissolve? Why is it? Let me just get real personal. And we'll have a we're gonna have a, a, a town hall meeting Tuesday night at seven o'clock if you'd like to come and just criticize everything I've said. I want to invite everybody, regardless of your opinion, to that meeting. It'll be the first of probably two or three. Why is it that Rama Church, Rama First Baptist Church, which used to run between 350 and 400, why are they struggling to keep 100 today? Why is it that Sardis, that used to run right around 80 to 100, now struggles to run 40 today? Can I tell you? 
Can I tell you why those churches between here up the 29 quarter all the way up to the perimeter, why so many of them that used to be Baptist and used to be Methodist and used to be Presbyterian, why they've, they've closed their doors or, and they're boarded up or either they're inhabited by a totally different church? You, know, you want to know why? Here's why. Because they said we would rather stay like we are and not change a thing than to reach our community for Christ. That's why. That's the hard truth. The churches in America, in Georgia, and in our area that are growing, that are healthy, that are thriving, are so because they've been willing to do what nobody else would do. You know why we're running an average, last month we averaged 350 in worship. You know why we're running an average of 350 and no church in Palmetto is coming close to that? You know why? Because you, you, at strategic times in the history of this church, you have been willing to say, I don't necessarily like this, but I can't argue against that it is beneficial for our church. And you have done it. You. All right. I'm way over. I owe you for your patience. We're going to stand up and have a closing prayer. We're not going to have the invitation today. The invitation really is over the next couple of weeks as to what you and I will do with what I've tried to share with you today. It's not that we're not having an invitation. It's going to be a long one. Let's stand. Our Heavenly Father, these people, as is so often the case, perhaps too often the case, they've sat there and they've been patient with me and they've listened to this preacher, Babylon, and I I appreciate them. Thank you for them. We have decisions to make. They're not deal breakers. I mean, but they do have an impact. They do say a lot about what we want to do and what kind of attitude we have. Just help us to do what you want. In Christ's name, amen.